What's up and welcome back to Nostalgia Ranks. This is Pat Sheehan joined by my trusty co-host Dave Wolfgang Swagger. How you doing today, man? Ah, uh, here we are, man. The Wolfgang, you know, it's uh does it is it does it still exist? Cuz like Tyler kind of co-opted like the the wolf and the golf stuff mm-hmm. into his solo career even as OF faded away. So I guess Wolfgang's still going. In, in, in from a certain point of view yeah i mean i think as long as tyler lives on there's still an aspect of it going forward so if you can't tell we're talking about tyler the creator today who has dropped a new single lumberjack um, with a video titled side streets there's a lot of clues here you know he's headlining Lollapalooza coming up there's a pretty good chance there's probably an album on the horizon you know, he drops one every two years. Igor was 2019, won the 2020 Grammy. So this is an artist we've been talking about a lot, not only since the pod has started, but also one that we're very excited and always anticipating his work. So we decided we're going to give you all a little break from the, the week-to-week breakdowns and do a little nostalgia rankings, uh, which you can check out our Drake rankings, our Quentin Tarantino rankings. Um, who else have we done? Brockhampton, Brockhampton, J. Cole, Drake, the most recent ones. More on the way, of course, too. Tons of things to rank. But I think Tyler's an excellent choice because there's a lot of variety and also quantity. It's a good one. Yeah. Uh, We're going to only be breaking down Tyler solo projects. But, you know, I think it's hard to totally separate, especially the early stuff from the odd future influence and collaboration um, all throughout. So why don't we just kind of start off? I mean, we've talked about Igor and Flower Boy, gave reviews of those, check those out, youtube.com slash nostalgia pod. But Dave, just overall, how do you consider Tyler as a musician in this day and age? Yeah, well, that's the thing. He's definitely evolved into a more multifaceted artist. Came up as more one note and get into that in a bit and then slowly transitioned into more i don't know acceptable if you will lyrics but then just in general made rap alongside other stuff r&b more funk and infused stuff his production choices have evolved alongside his lyrics so i view him as like a you know like a second tier rapper he's definitely a upper echelon rapper he's viewed that way by his peers but he's also making lots of music that isn't strictly rap which is really cool and obviously that came up when he won the best rap album for igor at the 2020 grammys because he thought that you know the remember he had the famous quote about um urban is just a politically correct way of saying the n-word you know of course when it comes to genre mm-hmm. classification so uh he's Seems to be trying to knock down barriers, I guess, or at least his music is just harder to quantify now. But I obviously have a high opinion. Yeah, he's especially thinking about where, how I viewed him when I first heard him, which, you know, his early songs, especially I think Yonkers, which is the first one that really like broke through. Obviously, he shortly after that wins the, uh, I think, 2011 VMAs for Best New Artist, which 
take the VMAs for what you want. I think there is something to earlier VMAs having some stature in the zeitgeist. At this point, they're pretty much a clown show. But, um, you know, Yonkers was this, like, very strange single for the time because it got labeled as, like, a horror song, like uh, a yeah, horror, horror rap. Horror. Right, and... Uh, the lyrics obviously are meant to be inflammatory. They're meant to be provocative. It's, it's kind of strange, uh, some of the production on it. And you're just kind of like, how does this guy get to be the guy who makes, like, are we still friends? Like, how how does one artist really have these dualities within them, right? And um, I think that's the, especially listening to the discography in preparation for this episode, that's the thing that's really struck me is not only his growth from this very young and uh, very interested in being provocative artist to one that I think is provocative in different ways now. And one that I think is a lot more thoughtful about how he wants to present himself to the world and, and the art he wants to make. So um, I see him as a really inventive forward-thinking artist and even more so a producer at this point you know I think that's the other thing is while his rapping ability um his lyricism has always kind of been uh you know challenging at times spotty at times I think um I I've all I think the production and the choices he makes and the risks he takes are really really notable um and maybe we can get into that. But when when did you first like really tune into Tyler as an artist? Yeah, I wasn't up on Bastard, which is what Christmas '09, sometime around Goblin, perhaps when Yonkers mm-hmm. came out as a single. I really don't remember exactly. I I do have this vivid memory early on of getting Odd Future and the Atlanta rapper Future confused <laughs> for a little bit yeah. when I was like 18. Uh, funny enough. Because future was also coming up around the very same time, uh, yeah, some, somewhere around the Goblin era, or maybe it was the Radical era, you know, like as Odd Future also was releasing some group projects, the OF tape in 08, Radical in 2010, and they repackaged some of those in 2011 as 12 Odd Future songs. So I think reflecting back on when you first heard Tyler, if you were listening to it during the early Odd Future days also just kind of speaks back to what rap music and music was like at the turn of the decade there at 2010, because that's bling eras has died. We are uh, firmly in the blog era of hip hop back when blogs had lots of influence. It's funny to listen back to early Tyler and early odd future and hear their beef with the rap blog Two dope boys, because rap blogs were very influential at the time in terms of, keeping you up to date on something because there was nothing algorithmic like new music Friday to just feed you the new shit. You had to go seek it out. <laughs> it's always a funny beef uh, to think about. So, you know, I mean, I mean, yeah, I think that the very first odd future stuff came up on Tumblr, uh, like where, where it got noticed yeah. and stuff like that. Right. So uh, thinking about them and Tyler, it's very much a pre streaming. Uh, thing but also you know there was no radio it's not like you know drake came up pre-streaming as well but he started to get on the radio pretty early on especially with thank you later uh 
not, certainly not the case with Odd Future right. and Tyler. Uh, this is uh, underground and also just kind of maligned by the mainstream due to the uh, the lyrics and the antics and the comments and everything that went with the, the Odd Future uh, wave, the noise that it was. Yeah. Even as you're talking about the, uh, you know, the come up and the controversy between them and blogs, you know, in Yonkers, obviously, we already mentioned it's a breakthrough, but he talks about the line uh, stabbing every blogger with a pitchfork, obviously a shot at the blog pitchfork, which has outlasted two note boys. But, um, you know, still the the point stands in all this. And um, I also, you know, started tuning in right around Goblin and I remember uh, listening to a couple of the more notable tracks off that, but I don't think I ever really like sunk my teeth into the artists of Tyler, the creator fully until um, flower boy was coming out. And I want, went back and listened to some of the earlier albums and tracks that stood out um, and, and re-listening recently. I think, uh, you know, I definitely appreciate a little bit more where he's evolved to especially like going back and listening to bastard i think there's a lot of the uh a lot of little seeds um of of where he's going to go um you know it's like a 56 minute he's like 13 or 14 track album um but it's a little all over the place at times which i think you kind of hear in a lot of Tyler's works up until about Flower Boy and Igor, it becomes a lot more focused. Um, but Bastard was a lot more hit and miss for me than I remembered. Um, I still think it's, uh, I think I'm going to caveat this conversation with, I don't think there's any really bad albums that we're going to be talking about today. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is labeled a mixtape by Tyler himself, but yeah. um, self-released. Yeah. But I, I still think, uh, I still think this is, probably a little bit lower my rankings only because I, I think you can hear him still figuring it out, but there's still some tracks that really stand out to me. What, what's your opinion of uh, bastard? Where are you at with it? Yeah. Uh, so this is probably also notable as one of the more famous, more widely listened to 2000s era mixtapes. That's not on streaming at this time. It's been a big thing lately for mixtapes to get their clearances and get put onto streaming to uh, usually a lot of fanfare if it's been anticipated like say joy badass's 1999 chances acid rapics many future mixtapes etc but bastard's not there and I-, I wonder if tyler has a lot of interest in this because it's self-released it's all his shit but he also doesn't look super fondly on this era like he even doesn't think super highly of his of, you know technically proper debut that, that would follow goblin like I, I remember him listening once he like he would list off a few songs that he would keep and he wouldn't keep the rest so mm-hmm. bastard going to streaming i don't know maybe that'll have to be pushed by like his management the clancy's or something i don't know but if you if you think back on it or, or listen back to it like we have uh Obviously, it's very in your face with the lyrics, man. You know, this was a big thing about Tyler, the creator at the time, and not future at the time. They're uh, misogynistic lyrics. They are homophobic lyrics. They're it's like shock jock type stuff. You know, the horrorcore label uh, was yep. very quickly applied, and it can be hard to listen to at times. You know, um, it, it's a product of its time. Like I just don't think like anyone gets as much attention in a positive light for that kind of stuff nowadays. And it goes without saying. Uh, 
but you know it was really vulgar and i think the songs have to like really be memorable to get past that and for me i think the big highlight is ass milk <laughs> hilarious yeah. name with Great earl name. just because they you know they go back and forth trading verses it's just some rapping ass shit and yeah they say some crazy stuff which i guess mm-hmm. is also part of the appeal it's memorable um and bastard was almost entirely self-produced by tyler too he's been doing this the whole time it wasn't just igor when he you know mixed yes yeah, recorded, produced wrapped everything you know he, he's been doing basically everything the whole time it started started mm-hmm. right here yeah uh, i agree i think asphalt probably is the standout i really love the production choice of um when earl is, is rapping it's a lot more like the smooth like glimmery background and then when it gets to tyler that like rumble comes in it's like uh, he's rapping over this like more almost like demented type sound it's really interesting like back and forth touch i thought and then also um bcr um and and wheels is a track that Mm -hmm. stands out to me it's just like this dreamy feel and i think you can hear a little bit of of that dna of what you'll hear later on in like flower boy and igor so uh the rest of it is you know a bit of a miss for me but um you know it's it's still for a first album i think pretty impressive because it's someone taking chances doing things that not a lot of people at that time were even attempting to do yeah yeah i think uh french got a lot of uh yeah like press attention as well and i also like odd toddlers which was like the last <laughs> uh moment where casey veggies was actually part of odd future he, he left the, the crew early on but mm-hmm. yeah bastard it's uh dated but still i think kind of instructional as like a you know, easy way to see the starting point you know because mm-hmm. i mean at this time too everyone else in of was releasing tons of stuff there were lots of odd feature mixtapes at this time and tyler didn't quite coalesce to the clear upper echelon and then errol and frank following and like that didn't happen until i think when goblin happens when when, when yonkers in particular mm-hmm. happens so bastard is, is a bit of a like a, the precursor to everything yeah and i i think there's a lot of dna between bastard and goblin you know i think especially those like intro tracks that kind of set up like tyler as like a troubled kid and, and like setting up these albums as like a, a dive into a troubled person's mind you know someone that's that's really has demented or or um not very clean thoughts so to speak um you know obviously goblin comes out two years later um 2011 release and um this isn't self release this is off xl recordings um and i think you can hear a little bit more of the like production touches on this tyler still uh, is like writing all this and producing i think uh i think it's produced by left brain right this album um and i think uh, he's like it, yeah collaborating with it mm-hmm. um but yeah i think goblin is, is tough for me because i think i when I went back to listen, I expected to really like kind of fall back and, and feel like, ah, yeah, the, like this brings me back to a time of, of music that, you know, I should be very nostalgic for and save for maybe like a cup, couple of songs. I really felt like this was actually kind of a tough listen at points. And I think mm-hmm. it's because of a lot of the things you already spoke to the horror core vibes on this, you know, it's, it's supposed to be, I think a little bit challenging and inaccessible, um, obviously homophobic slurs are thrown throughout. There's 
talk of, you know, like violent rapes and things like that. So it's just kind of tough material at times, but I still think there's a handful of songs that really stand out to me. Obviously, Yonkers, I think She with Frank Ocean is a mm. clear standout. What about you going back and listening to Goblin, though? Anything that stood out in particular? Yeah, so like I've been saying, I kind of think about similarly to Bastard in terms of the subject matter, in terms of the re-listenability. It feels like of a place, you know? But Yonkers stands out because that was where, like, Tyler catapulted to. I had that song on my best top 10 songs of the 2010s that we did mm-hmm. at the end of 2019. Uh, and I think, again, even though many of the lyrics are dated and uh, offensive to many, it's uh, still kind of just captured a time, right? Like, sandwiches off this... That's the yeah. first song they perform on Fallon, their TV debut, and they go nuts. It's actually really funny to look back on, uh, which is, and there's like actually like some an article about it about the risk that Fallon and crew took by bringing OF onto their show because the the Fallon had only recently started, you know, that iteration mm-hmm. of his late night show. You know, it's funny again, funny thing about um, she. You mentioned she. It's a good one. Right around this time, we're gonna get the debut mixtape from frank nostalgia ultra but this is the first real memorable frank appearance mm-hmm. for me because he's not too heavily featured in some of the earlier group type group projects i don't even think he's on radical at all so that uh i think is, is a nice standout and i believe that song has a video i don't remember but like they used to play that song all the time uh and then i think just in terms of like humor I really like Tron Cat. That's actually one of the songs that Tyler has reflected on still enjoying. But yeah, like Bastler, there's a lot of stuff that's just kind of a tough hang. It, gets, it, can, it can be really, the production can be really loud or grating or just the lyrics, you know, the consistency of the vulgarity uh, definitely, mm-hmm. I think, requires a specific mood at the very least. So, you know, yeah. not the easiest to go back to. I want to shout out Nightmare as well. You know, it has that like, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's a xylophone. I think it is in the background. It's kind of hard for me to totally identify that like bell type sound, but it really stands out. Um, and Tyler just flows over that really well. But, um, you know, in thinking about Odd Future and Tyler, you know, obviously around this time also, they're starting to get notoriety as a, you know, as personalities. Um, <laughs> and, I think they got an MTV show, I think, at this time, or maybe it was, uh, I can't remember um, what network it was on, but it was like a prank type show. Um, oh, Loiter Squad? Yes, Loiter Squad. Oh, Thank adult you. Adult Swim. Yeah. Yes, Adult Swim. There you go. And it, I think really like being in this lane that was so bombastic, controversial, in your face, uh, but also being a personality that was goofy and funny and you know very authentic to himself I think really helped propel the music forward and propel him forward fame wise because he he was unlike any other person at that time unlike any other personality at this at that time so even if maybe he reflects back on this music and doesn't feel like it's really the artist he sees himself as now I think as like almost a stunt, like being this personality, putting this, you know, face forward, obviously really worked in a way. Um, so I, I give him 
you know, credit for that, at least even if that wasn't necessarily intentional. Um, but, you know, following the, the two-year trend from Goblin, we move <laughs> on to Wolf, right? And so th- this is also a thing. We have Bastard 2009, Goblin 2011. We have Wolf in 2013. And Wolf wasn't an album I really recalled um, digging in too much. So going back and listening to it was really a pleasure. Um, <laughs> you know, I think the one thing I will say, brevity for Tyler has never really been his thing up until recently. And I think you can kind of hear um, a lot of his just like, almost like fighting with himself in terms of like trying to fit all these pieces of his musical personality into one album every time. And I think in his more recent albums, he's been able to kind of lean one way or the other, or have a little bit more focus, but Wolf is sprawling and a bit all over the place, but sometimes in the best way possible there's a lot on Wolf. Do you remember listening to this for the first time? Oh yeah. This is the first Tyler project I actively anticipated. Um, this is coming off the final Odd Future uh, project, their only album as a group, the Odd Future Tape Volume 2 from 2012. So at that point, I was, you know, so into the thing. And it's, it's so funny to reflect back on how fleeting the Odd Future Enterprise was because you look at the subsequent albums following Wolf and the collaborations with you know, everyone else in the crew uh, start to become very rare. And Wolf is kind of that last, like, you know, celebration, if if you will. And it seems like everyone is more or less on good terms now, but there was a little bad blood, I guess, as Odd Future faded away and Tyler became a star, you know, and um, I think Sid became more, uh, and even Frank became more uh, open about talking about some of the stuff they were insecure about our future doing, namely all the vulgarity and the lyrics and the homophobia mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So there's been a lot of ups and downs as OF has disbanded, but it seems like everyone's in a good spot now. But again, this following the second future tape reminds me of like the last vestige of like the collective and Wolf. I think it's like your first example of Tyler's just evolving lyricism, right? But it's mm-hmm. still more or less a full on rap album. Like you get you get it get like I think one key sense of what where Tyler's going to go in his future releases that would be uh, IFHY with Pharrell I fucking hate you that's mm-hmm. a song that feels sonically very similar to stuff he would later do on Cherry Bomb Flower Boy and Igor but everything else is more or less you know the rap the bars yeah I I agree with what you're saying in terms of the uh, IFHY um, I think there's a lot of DNA there it's it's interesting in listening to this you know for the uh, first time in a couple of years uh i was really just impressed with um like i guess like the way that like you said there's like this real shift in terms of tyler as an artist it feels like he's really like making a very conscious decision that okay i'm going to move more in this direction it's almost like he kind of decided he wanted to be a little bit more vulnerable on this album because I think you start to hear him talking about some things. I mean, it's kind of centered around this like three person type relationship. And that's kind of like a running three running theme through some of the songs, but you know, I, I, you just hear the, like a bit of that bite 
isn't as sharp. And I think that makes the music feel a little bit more accessible. I made this almost like a reprieve after listening to Bastard and Goblin back to back. You know, for me, I had a couple of tracks that really stood out. I thought uh, Pigs stood out to me as uh, one of my favorite tracks for sure. Um, I also really liked uh, Yomo 23. Mm-hmm. Just that like was the lead him. single, I believe. Yeah. And him just going like super hard on that track. Um thought Tamale, even though it's <laughs> like, you know, back and I really just stood out as like a very unique song on this. Yeah. You like that one? I never really cared for Tamale, but I remember so I saw Tyler once uh when he opened up for Kid Cuddy on the Cud Life tour in twenty thirteen. It was Cuddy, Tyler, and Logic, early Logic. Good, wow. great tour. And they did Tamale. Um, you know, Taco's the DJ, Jasper's the hype man, Tyler's obviously Tyler. And they they lost their shit for Tamale, and everyone seemed to love it. But never, not a song I like super got into, but I can obviously appreciate the energy it brings. Real quick on that show, too. That was 2013. So, like, OF mm-hmm. is going to go, is already, you know, at Death's Store, basically. But they still had a lot of that rambunctiousness, right? Like, yes, they're they're, they're losing some of the, uh, like like Tyler's lyrics on Wolf have have matured, at least a little bit, but they still have like kind of that punkish energy that everyone seemed to ascribe sure. to them. And at that show, uh, which is at like an outdoor open air arena with a roof kind of thing, so there's like fixed seats. Tyler maybe like one song into his set, yelled at everyone to get up out of their seats and rush the stage even though there was no like general admission pit area. It's all fixed seats. So everyone, including myself, everyone, we all go there, everyone's standing on the seats and stuff. They perform a song, they cut the audio, they meet the audio eventually, like, and he gets yanked off stage. And Cuddy comes out, not in full, you know, like Moon Man costume before his set, and tells everyone that he loves Tyler too, but we all have to go back to our seats where they're going to stop the show. So it was this really funny moment where like Tyler and Taco and Jasper were like, yo, let's burn it down. And then the institution's like, better not. <laughs> and they didn't. Really fun, well, really, funny, really fun memory. J- just a year later, he got arrested um, after he did basically the same thing at a South by Southwest mm. uh, show. And right. the, the charges were later dropped, but he told everybody to rush the stage, push past security. Um, so this was a time when he was like that punkish energy you mentioned was still obviously thriving at his shows. Yeah. Um, and you know, it still comes through in the music at this time too, for sure. Yeah. Um, any other highlights for you off Wolf? Yeah, you mentioned Domo 23, which I think is really good. It's almost like a recap of his career to that point lyrically, but also really high energy. It's a great song. Uh, I like Jumbo and Haji. I like Slater with Frank. I think that's one of mm. Tyler or Tyler's best hooks to that point. Uh, me and Slater just hit a curb, something, something, listening to the nerd, like really catchy. Uh, I, I mentioned I fucking hate you. You mentioned pigs. I like Rusty, just as, you know, rap cut with him, Damo, and Earl. And then Trash Wing is really funny to me because that's like like a meme song for like OF heads because it has Mikel Smith, the skateboarder who we know for mid 90s, uh, Jasper, and Lucas three noted not performer members of odd future so it's like kind of like a joke song and you mentioned yeah. tamale which uh love it or hate it uh, stands out so i, I think tamale, wolf has a lot of fans to this day yeah tamale reminds me of like an mia cut um almost oh, that, like that's uh, a good cop yeah but it's funny crash wing stood out to me because 
had a lot of like early Brockhampton feel to me. Like just yeah. a lot of like really raw energy coming through there. Um, I think it's definitely an interesting listen. It's long. Um, I think it could have been cut down a little bit. I think it could have been sequenced a little bit better. But overall, I think Wolf is a great step in the right direction. And then two years later, we get Cherry Bomb, um, which, man, Tyler talks in a lot of interviews about his influences. You know, he's mentioned Nerd as probably the biggest influence on his career. Pharrell Williams and him have had a couple of collaborations together. He has mentioned people like Eminem, Kanye West, you know, some of these big names. And I think Cherry Bomb is probably when you really start to see the nerd and the Kanye influence come out. Because I feel like there's certain songs here I was listening to and I was like, wow, this sounds like it could be right off Yeezus at times. And Yeezus obviously had come out just a year before. Um, or certain tracks that really just sound like homages to nerd really closely but i felt like cherry bomb again was uh just another step in that progression towards being more accessible um being an artist that people could connect with more than earlier tyler how did you feel Mm -hmm. about it yeah it's well it's, it's clearly a stepping stone to where he would go next but i remember it being very polarizing at the time and I, I remember myself, other friends that I had who were, you know, big fans. Uh, I did not vibe with it super heavy in the beginning. It was it was a change, you know. Looking back, I was surprised how easy of a listen I found a lot of it to be. And I think, you know, post Flower Boy and Igor, that makes a lot of sense. But at the time, I was like, huh, don't know if this is what I want. I'm Tyler, you know. Yeah. But you hear a lot of stuff that sounds familiar of what's to come. So, you know, with changing expectations, uh, I think perception of the album has changed. And like, you know, I look online now and it, it seems to have a much higher approval rating than I think it, it, it did, you know, person to person when it first dropped. Cause like, it's like really loud, right? Like there's some like weird, like production choices on cherry bomb and not, not that like the earlier Earl Tyler's stuff, didn't great in a different way but cherry bomb like sonically it's like there's a few moments where like this is just kind of noise like i don't know like is this like is this like a a created song like you know but Mm -hmm. looking back now it's i think more of it hits than it did yeah i'm wondering for you like what were those production choices in particular that you were like unsure about or didn't feel like they were fully thought through yeah i think um doesn't it start off really heavy in Death Camp? Like, I'm trying to remember what songs didn't last for me. Because like I remember more anything the songs that I still do like. Um, Death Camp is like, time. yeah, Death Camp is like overly like reverbed. Yeah. Um, kind of has those like dun 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 dun, dun you know, but like almost like maxed out on the speakers yeah. kind of sound. But like if you listen closer now, like you listen to a uh, Buffalo, which is a song I remember. I was really happy. He was like really hyping up the song on Twitter when it came out, the album. But Buffalo, that samples um, the Shake Your Booty sample that uh, mm-hmm. has been sampled many times. Pusha T did it later with Numbers on the Boards, for example. Um, you know, a song like The Brown Stains with Schoolboy Q. Crazy beat, but they both wrapped their ass off. Uh, Smokers got a lot of love at the time, of course, Kanye and Wayne. Uh, another kind of 
strange beat, I guess you could say. Uh, do you have like a favorite song on Cherry Bomb? I've never really settled on a favorite song just out of a group that I appreciate. I don't know if there's one that I would say stands out above the rest, but I have probably like three that I, I definitely went back to the second I finished the album. Pilot with uh, Sid Bennett, obviously, I think is a clear standout. Those drums are just so like fun and like you really could listen to those all day. Um, I think Smuckers is actually a really strong Kanye and Lil Wayne uh, showing, which is like upon first listen really caught me off guard. It's kind of a long song and probably could have been a little shorter, but overall it's really like taken aback by that. Um, and then Smuck, um, sorry, uh, Find Your Wings is like mm. that jazzy type deal you're going to get just one album later. So I felt like those three really stood out to me. Um, you know, I think whenever he kind of goes into that, like acid jazz type feel, I <laughs> totally vibe with it, but obviously that's what we've been listening to a lot over the last four years. So, um, right. any others that stood out to you or you I also, a- uh, fucking young, it's a long song, but yeah, shares DNA with what's to come. So yeah, cherry bomb. I'd encourage a lot of people to go back to listen to cherry bomb. Cause you might have found that your appreciation of it has shifted. I know mine has. And then, Dave, this is the first time we got to speak about a Tyler album on the podcast, Flower Boy, 2017. Uh, I believe it was on your end of the year. It was. Albums. I mm-hmm. believe it was on mine, too, but maybe a little bit lower, if I remember yeah. correctly. Um but, you know, I think this is just like a real achievement in Tyler's career. Um, you know, I, I kind of mentioned this is when uh, I feel like his artistry became a lot more focused. And I think that's seen in, you know, a shorter track list, um, 45, 46 minute album that felt like he really was trying to like say something and get a point across. And you also hear Tyler opening up more, being more transparent about, you know, aspects of his own personal life, um, obviously sharing that he's had same sex relations, same sex relationships at times, um, which obviously, obviously thinking back to where his early work was quite the turn from some of those homophobic lyrics. So, um, you know, I think there's a big, big shift here for Tyler. What, what stands out to you re-listening to this? Yeah. And like, so obviously that was like the big narrative around Flower Boy's Tyler's sexuality, something he's never like openly spoken on, confirmed, even mm-hmm. though there are some tweets where he's like, I tried to come out four days ago and nobody cared. LOL. Like the, that tweet's still up. You could go see that. So like, like there's, there's like some, you know, evidence, I guess, you know, it, it, it was always funny to me though. Cause like when Frank came out, you know, before Channel Orange, I remember Earl and Tyler were like, fucking finally, you know, it's like they knew like they were they were boys. But Tyler himself, even hinting at something, uh, was received a little little mixed bag, right? Given his history, like the LGBTQ plus community. I don't know. Not 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 all of them were, were the most accepting of it because of his previous comments and what he had said and. I mean, that's for them to decide, but you listen to a song like Garden Shed, 
the lyrics are the lyrics. Even Who Dat Boy, which is definitely still more of a rap song from him. There's some more suggestions there. Uh, but overall, Flower Boy, like you mentioned, the production has starkly changed from where we started. Uh, much more jazz and views, just less like mainstream hip hop beats or even like weird like underground hip hop beats. And it's it's quite pleasant music. Now the thing about Flower Boy for me is I don't like run back a lot of the songs all that often. It's more of like a general appreciation for the body of work. You know, mm-hmm. Garden Shed, Boredom, nine one one Mr. Loom, really beautiful songs. Not songs I listen to all the time. You know, I think See You Again with Kali Uchi's probably the biggest hit off this. Yeah. That boy with Rocky. And I guess I Ain't Got Time had a bit of a run too. But for me, it's more about the appreciation and you just seeing again the continued evolution and not something I think people were expecting post Cherry Bomb. Again, looking back in hindsight, it's easier to see now. But at the time, this was truly like a landmark moment in Tyler's solo career. Yeah, it's uh, I, I agree with you. I think this is an album that really works as an album, but I think individually the songs don't necessarily pop the same way some of the earlier singles do, and uh, I think some of the tracks off Igor do. Um, but I think you know, especially in terms of expectation of Tyler, um, in terms of artistry, just is a total achievement a total uh, triumph and um definitely some a work i'm impressed with i don't really know if there's like even that much more to say i think everybody kind of just accepts that this is a really strong showing from tyler i think you hit on a lot of the songs that stood out to me um you know i think november also really stands out as well as uh, enjoy right now uh, today um you know i think it's the closing track but um Overall, there's really not a bad song on the album. You can go back and listen to our review of that nostalgia on YouTube. But um, you know, we recently, two years ago, spoke about Igor, and you know, I think Igor, for me, you know, to step on my list just a little bit, it's really high up there. Is really high up there because I feel like it takes a lot of what Tyler did on Flower Boy, make a really cohesive album piece of art. Um, but adds tweaks that just hit more for what I want to hear from Tyler, what I'm more interested in music wise. I think there's just some really exciting production choices throughout this that just make it top notch, you know, whether it's like some of the like rumbling bass on earthquake um, or the like slow, like R and B buildup on our, we still friends. Like there's just some moments on this. That I'm just really like, man, that's that's why I love music right there. Right. And a lot of the the mixing in sequence is special too. One song playing into the next. All really mm-hmm. intentional. Again, something that was done completely by Tyler. Um, yeah, I kind of have similar thoughts where it's the next step for Flower Boy because I think this is music that's similar. But at least to me, I think it's easier to pick out like singles and stuff to go back to like, like Earthquake, obvious highlight here, one of his biggest songs of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember at this time we get the uh, blonde wig aesthetic thing, very popular uh, Halloween costume in 2019. Um, mm-hmm. But just like a lot of those songs, Earth, Earthquake, I think, A Boy, a boy is, is a Gun. gun. Yeah. yeah, like they're 
they're really awesome to go back to, but it also a part of this really beautiful piece as an mm-hmm. album. And this is my number one album of 2019. Still really happy about that. And I just remember being really excited when I first listened to it, you know, coming off Flower Boy. Just being like, yeah, no, this is like definitely the direction Tyler's been going on, but it also like really hits moment to moment, which is kind of what I wanted more from after Flower Boy. So I know a lot of people uh, like Flower Boy more than Igor. You know, I think it's nothing wrong with that. But to me, Igor is uh, just 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 hits in a special way, honestly. Yeah, I agree. And you mentioned that like sequencing of the production and um, there's not really a lull. There are times when the tracks might be slower, they might be toned down, but it's almost immediately followed by something that's a little bit faster, a little bit comes through a little bit harder. And I think just for my own personal taste and, and for what I want to be hearing from Tyler, that really works for me. Um, funny because even one of the like the shortest song on here the shortest track is only 14 seconds but exactly what you run from you end up chasing it's just basically like this little like vocal but it, i just feel like it works so well on the album i got listening through i was like wow it's just like such an, in, such an interesting like um you know like between track like intro but it just felt like it fit. and for something that small to really stand out to me was just really nice on listening through um you know I think one thing I just wanted to go back to, because we forgot to mention it, but in those early come-ups, I think there were two moments that we both agreed upon really elevated Tyler in terms of his status. And, and that was back uh, when he was featured on a good music track with Push D, um, Trouble on My Mind. Yeah. You know, do, do you remember listening to that for the first time? Yeah, because well, you get you two really big moments in 2011. I believe those are the first features tyler did outside of the odd future orbit trouble in my mind push a t and martians vs goblins the game song featuring tyler and wayne and both just like lyrical dexterous masterpieces to me i love them as guest features because it was tyler bringing all his energy but like distilling it down to not like overtake a song or anything you know still fitting um really awesome yeah i mean so that some of those are some of my favorite songs of like the early 2010s honestly yeah i agree um trouble on my mind especially just really stands out to me as um a song i remember playing back a lot at that time and i still do it's such a great track um and i just feel like thinking about tyler's verse on that it's like one of the first times other than yonkers i remember tyler really just standing out to me as like wow this guy can like go with the best of them and uh you know to see where he's kind of come from that moment uh i don't i'd be interested to see if he could you know steal a, a song like that again uh you know we don't hear him doing like a ton of features sometimes or sometimes we'll hear a guest yeah. track every once in a while but um it just was like a really cool moment looking back at his career and that's the thing he, he doesn't do a lot of features but he does have a lot of memorable ones to me like there's only like I think he has probably like less than thirty features over ten years. It's not a lot, but after Trouble in Mind and Martians vs Goblins, and again discounting anything with Not Future, you just have some moments that pop up, and some of it's actually like his own doing. Like he just kind of would release random songs. Mm-hmm. Recently, Potato Salad, um, Best Interest. Those are some of his pop- most popular songs on streaming. Funny enough, Ziploc comes to mind. Sometimes these were just YouTube videos, non-streaming. But um, I mean, recently, 
something to rap about off Alfredo from Freddie Gibbs, memorable right. feature. Uh, TD, the Little Yachty Tear Whack, ASAP Rocky song off Little Boat 3 last year. Uh, also 327 off Pray for Paris, What Side Gun song with Joy Badass and Tyler. Like he had, he had three, I think, really noticeable ones in 2020. But other than that, like 2016, one of my favorites as well, Telephone Calls, the uh, Cozy Tapes Volume 1, ASAP Mob Cut, really memorable song. Uh, I remember a few times he like, came out at ASAP's uh, sets to perform that as a guest, really fun. And that's another thing, too, is like the friendship between Tyler and ASAP Mob and uh, you know, Schoolboy Q and the rest of Black Kid. Mm-hmm. Also, really cool to see. Obviously, Mac Miller was also in that orbit when he was still yeah. with us. So, um, yeah, man, Tyler, Tyler, Tyler's dope. And yeah, ho- hoping agree. that what we've seen, as we mentioned at the top, is an inkling of a new album cycle. It is every two years, 2021. It is time for for a new one. If that was to hold, it wouldn't have held it against him. But then again, he seems like someone who would just be up to something during quarantine in terms of recording. Yep. So he probably had more time, not less. So I actually, we shouldn't be surprised at all, given his work ethic. So a really exciting time. Yeah, you know, it, just in reflecting on where he was when we first tuned into him and where he is now, I think he's a really satisfying artist to follow because uh, especially being, you know, 30 years old now and, and just kind of being similar in age, uh, it feels a bit like we kind of grew up with him and we... <laughs> Yeah, we went from being these uh, kids who were in college or, uh, you know, high school when the first when Bastard dropped. And he was obviously a not well refined person at that point in, in terms of his uh, thoughts and lyrics and mm-hmm. what he's putting out. And to see where he got to um, just feels like he, we almost like grew and matured with him. So just really cool to reflect on his career overall. But we got to get to rankings here, Dave. For me. Uh, I, pretty clearly at the bottom for me are Bastard and Goblin. Anyone that was listening to this probably expected that. I have Bastard 6 and Goblin 5. Looks like you have the same. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Just going back. It's like plenty to appreciate about it, but at the end of the day, it's uh, less refined and, and, and dated. So not to be not, not being negative, it's just Tyler has made steady progress as an artist, so that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I had Cherry Bomb fourth. Um, it looks like you had it third and flipped that with Wolf, which I had third. So yeah, they were so close for me. I actually, I think I'm going to change this. I was thinking about this. I was like, do I do exact literal reverse order for my list? <laughs> and the more I think about it, I just like more. I like to listen to more songs off Wolf than I do Cherry Bomb. And even though I have yeah. this greater appreciation of Cherry Bomb today than I did in 2015, I still think I should have Wolf ahead of it. So, yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like we both have uh, Bastard, Goblin, uh, six and five. And then we have Cherry Bomb and Wolf, four and three. And then our top two are exactly the same. Our lists are exactly the same. Flower Boy, um, really one B, but if, you know, having to go by this, it would be number two for me. And Igor is number one for me, pretty clearly. Just listen to our review and what, just going back, it's, I think it's evident how we feel about it. Yeah, and, and now, this new album, if we are getting a new album, it is tough to continue to top yourself. Yeah. And if Tyler was to top even just Flower Boy or just Igor to some people, that would be a huge accomplishment. 
right? Because mm-hmm. those are two like really great records he's already made. So uh, I don't think the pressure is on at all. Like, I, don't, I think it's just everyone's just happy to get more. But mm-hmm. um, if he if he was to somehow get to the top of the list once again with a new album, that'd be something. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to hear whatever he has coming out. Um, you know, and I think he's also a person, you know, he's has hands in a lot of things like directing music videos or, um, you know, like he, I think he actually makes, or at least has a big hand in the covers of his albums. He's really all over it. I could see him doing other things in the future, whether that's, you know, making television or directing things like that. Right. Well, he's, and he's already been very, heavily involved in the fashion world with the golf brand so i think it's clear he has other interests you know there's a really funny video of asap rocky um making fun of tyler when they're together because of his interest in cars gotta get the mclaren man like go look up asap rocky tyler mclaren it's so funny so tyler's a multifaceted dude so how could you pin him down yeah do you think he'll return the tv one day after loiter squad i think you would because loiter squad also is a bit a product of of the past so getting today's tyler doing some kind of reality show or something would be cool too yeah i agree um you know tyler uh, a fun artist to talk about i'm glad we did this we'll be back um next week talking about quite a bit to catch up on um but you know go back and listen to our tyler reviews youtube.com slash nostalgia pod uh, give us your thoughts, comment below, or tweet us at NostalgiaPod on Twitter. And uh, yeah, go listen to Lumberjack. It's a really good song. Yeah, so. and also check those Drake, J. Cole, and Brockhampton album rankings we've done recently as well. Check it out. We'll see you next week. Yeah.